Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Today I just have, have a real focus of this message today. And uh, a couple weeks ago I shared on one of the main pillars of our culture being that prayer is to be our, our first response, not our last resort. And that really we are a church that focuses in on and cultivates being a house of prayer. That's who we are, is being a house of prayer. And in that, some of you know I shared a prophecy a couple weeks ago um, that Bob Jones gave uh, Sean Boltz uh, several years ago that when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you will know that revival is about to come. And I don't know if you know that, but Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And we were here, and it was dynamic, and they were a little behind in in coming into the fourth quarter. But they came back, and it was quite remarkable. But to me, it was a sign of, of what God is really wanting to do. God is wanting to do something so extraordinary in our midst that it is undeniable it is a supernatural move of God. It is a sovereign move that man cannot orchestrate, man can't work up, but it's something that God is wanting to do that's on his heart. And he says that God is also raising up his apostolic chiefs. So in that, we are in a season of time, I believe, that God is wanting to do something in our land that we have not seen ever before. I believe it is the end time revival that God talks about in his word that has also been prophesied that there will be a billion soul harvest. And in that, as we are, you know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Could it be that the Father's getting ready to pour out his Spirit in such a way that people that don't know God, the people that aren't uh, attuned to God, all of a sudden are awakened by God and all of a sudden are coming into the kingdom and are being saved, are being blood-bought, are being touched by the Holy Spirit, filled with the fullness of God, could it be that we're on the very verge of one of the greatest moves this country has ever seen? I dare to believe that God let it be now. Let it happen. I mean, it is something that many of us have longed for. We've longed to see God move in our families. We've longed to see God move in, in our marriages in our nation, in our government. Does our government need God right now? Come on. I mean, we need a move of God in every sphere of our lives where God shows up and shows off. And you know that God's in the house. So in that, I I, I really felt uh, as a team, as a church, we really want to um, have a time where we gather together for 24 hours. And I, you know, really who really inspired this, inspired me, is Joe Jane. 
Joe Jane, many, many years ago, in the early stages of this church, almost 15 years ago, 14 years ago, we, we gathered together for a time of 24 hours of prayer. Actually, it was 48 hours in, and she stayed the whole time. And, and where we gather together, and we, we have a time of, of glorious worship and praise, and then we flow into our segments where people are taking a block of time, an hour of time, and we're wanting to pray in the very purposes that God is wanting to do on this earth. And we're taking a time to be intentional, to press into God. So I really want you to mark your calendars. That's going to be February the 28th on someone's wonderful birthday. So what better place to celebrate your birthday than a church? And um, so Friday, February 28th, we're going to start down. We're going to start at, um, at Sabbath, 6 o'clock sundown and we're going to go to six o'clock on saturday and then also we're going to have a uh it's a global fast that's getting ready to take place march the first through april the 9th this is where um people all over america all over the world are going to be entering into the jesus fast for 40 days and so what I'm going to ask you to do as we're getting into that time of fasting and praying is to ask the Lord, how can you fast? What does he want you to fast? And begin to allow him to speak to you through that time. Some of you I've even been told are going to do a water fast. That might not be for everybody. It could be that you're just going to fast TV. I don't know, but the Lord's going to speak to you about what you're going to fast. But it's going to be a time in which we are as, as a as a nation, as a world, is seeking the Lord before um, seeking the Lord for this harvest that God is wanting to reach, a billion soul harvest. So this is coming soon, and I really want us to kind of get plugged in with what God is doing in our nation. That's March 1st to April 9th, and then uh, February 28th. Turn with me to Isaiah 41, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 44, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah 44, verses 1 through 3. Yet hear now, Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you... Jeshurim, whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring, your children. God has made a covenant with Israel. And when God makes a covenant, it's eternal. It's forever. And it's a covenant that a people that, that choose to press into and actually believe, hold God to his word, God continually wants to move according to his covenants. A covenant is very important because it's something God is making with man that I will do in response to you. And in this covenant, 
what we hear is God says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Is anyone thirsting for the living God? Is anyone hungering for God to move? Is anyone desiring for God to touch them in an area in a way that they desperately need God to touch them? And and he says, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on you, on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. This is this is a covenant we can hold to God now. And I believe as as we are coming together in this economy of time and we're saying, God, we are thirsting for you out of a response of thirst. God says he will meet it. And he will fill you up to overflowing and let the blessings flow. So just as God responded in the days of old to his people, he is still a God that meets those that are thirsty. So I dare to believe God's covenant right now, that this is something he wants to do right now. So are you thirsting and hungering for the living God? Then you're a good candidate to see God, to pour out his spirit on you and to do something that has never been done before. I want to share with you a little bit of history. I want to share with you a story of something that took place in November of 1949 at the Hebrides Revival. It was a mighty move of God's spirit on the island of Lewis, which was part of the Hebrides uh, right there by Scotland. And there were two older women. One was 84 and one was 82. One of them was completely blind and the other was crippled with arthritis. And they were so burdened by the appalling state of the church, where the church was. No one was really attending church and there was absolutely no young people coming to church. And in that, they gathered together and they made a decision that we're going to gather together on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And they met from 10 p.m. And they prayed and interceded to God to pour out His Spirit and to change the appalling the, the appalling state, uh, just how the, the condition of the church, and they prayed that God would move in power and that he would change things in on their island. So these two women gathered together from 10 p.m. till 3 a.m. in the morning. And they began to intercede before God. And there's a verse that gripped their hearts, and they stood upon it and believed that God would do something once again according to his word. Guess what verse that was? I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. They stood on this verse in Isaiah 44. And so they began to pray. And then one night, one of the sisters had a vision. And she saw a vision all of a sudden of of this church that all of a sudden was being filled with young people 
and people were were coming to the Lord. And and she saw a minister preaching at this church. She didn't recognize who he was, but she saw in the vision of this young man preaching the word. But but droves of young people were coming to the church. And she was so impressed and gripped by this vision that she actually called the pastor of that church and says, you must come see me. So this young pastor who who knew these two sisters, who knew these two ladies, he knew they were God-fearing women, he came to their house and they shared the vision that God had given them. And, And they said to him, listen, we believe God wants to do something that is going to be supernatural on this island and is going to change the state of the church. We want to ask if you could gather some of your elders in the church, some of your leaders, and you could begin to pray with us two days a week. We could pray for the church. And the pastor, the minister agreed. He says, I'll do it. We need God. And so they agreed that that the the pastor and some leaders would would meet in a in a barn while the ladies met in their cottage because one was completely blind and one was crippled. And they said, we'll pray at the same time. So they began to cry out to the Lord. And this went on for almost a month where they began to seek the Lord day and night at times. And all of a sudden in the barn, there was this, there was this young man, young man. And, and as they were believing on the verse that I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground, this young man got up and read Psalm 24. And he read Psalm 24, which says, Who shall ascend the hill of the God, hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. And then that young man closed his Bible and he lifted up his hands and he says, God, are my hands clean and is my heart pure before you? And the next thing you know, this young boy fell out in the spirit on the ground under, he was just, and then he went into a trance and saw a vision of God. And, and God so moved into that barn that all of the men began to just be succumbed by the power of God. And then what happened in the barn, the power of God then swept into the church. And all of a sudden, the, the awareness of God's presence was so strong in the church that the people just started coming to the church and and all of a sudden there was 300 people that filled up the church and no one sent out social media and said you must attend the church god is here he's getting ready to do something great there was god was his own um promoter he knows how to awaken people and all of a sudden there was 300 people and they were like they were in the presence of God and it was so powerful. And then shortly after that, 
the one of the ladies that had the vision, she says, there was a strange minister that was in the vision that, and I don't know who he is, but we must call this minister to come and, and minister in the church. So they called this man called Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell came from a long way on a steamboat. Then he got on the train and he got there to the church and it was around 9 p.m. And he showed up and they, they asked him, if you could just share a brief, quick message and then give a benediction and then we'll start the service the next night. Duncan Campbell shows up. 300 people are waiting for him in the church. He preached a brief message. And then he noticed um, a young man near the front that was weeping. Quietly. And Campbell just stopped and he said, um, young man, I, I just would like for you to, to, to pray, to stand up and pray. And this young Young man stands up and he begins to pray and lift up his hands. And the power of God fell upon this young man and he just went out on the floor, succumbed by the Spirit of the Lord. And God swept into that church and all the people began crying out for the mercy of God to move. Half stood in his presence, just, just transfixed in his presence for almost two hours. Some of them were just bent over in their chairs, um, repenting and, and, and asking God to move on their lives. God moved in such a supernatural way that revival had come to the house of God. And in that there were people that were in bed. They got up, got dressed, and they came to church. And this was around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. People that all over the island were, were being awakened by God and just getting out of bed and getting dressed and coming to the church. The next thing you know, there were 600 people at church. And people were just being moved by the Spirit we're just crying out. We're being saved and filled with the... I mean, this is what church is all about. When God is sovereignly moving on his people because he's responding to those that are thirsty. He's saying, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And at the same time, over a hundred young people were at a dance having a good time. They were dancing, they were partying, just having a great time. And suddenly the Spirit of God fell upon the dance. And all, I mean, the music stopped. All of the young people got on their faces before God. They began to cry out to God. And then quickly they left that hall. And where did they run to? They saw the lights up on the hill at the church. So they ran to the church. And then all of a sudden, they heard a big knock on the door, and, and Campbell said, well, who is it? Well, we don't know, but there's a 100 young people standing outside the church that want to come in. And all of a sudden, all 100 young people come into the church, which was a fulfillment of the vision that this woman had, and this strange pastor, Duncan Campbell, began to preach the word of the Lord, and all of a sudden, the the 
island of Lewis was swept up in a mighty move of God because of the response of God's people that were so thirsty for him. There was nothing that was going to satisfy them. They cried out to him and God, according to his covenant, responded and moved in power. The Hebrides revival took place. There would be people showing up at the sheriff's station. They were confessing all that they had done. The bars were, were cleaned out. I mean, that they said that one in every family on the island came to know Jesus during the Hebrides revival. Now, that's revival, church. This is a sovereign move of God that no one can get credit for. No one can say that they did this. They had this special presentation. They did anything other than go low, repent, cry out to the living God and say, Lord, unless you show up, we're undone. And so in that, 800 people filled that church and they were there all night long. And and it just swept through the whole island. And this was known as the Hebrides revival. But God responded to prevailing prayer. It is the prevailing prayer of the hearts of his people that are desperate for God. And as they stood in the gap upon the covenant of God in Isaiah 44, prevailing prayer and a God-keeping, covenant-keeping God came together and look what happened. They were in full-blown revival. And this revival swept through the whole Hebrides. And I believe with all of my heart that this is what God wants to do today. He's waiting for people to to believe, dare to believe his covenant. That he did it then, God, do it again now. What does testimony mean? Testimony means, God, do it again. He did it in the Hebrides revival according to his covenant, God, do it again now in Asheville, North Carolina. And we ask that now in the name of Jesus. And I declare and I decree in Jesus' name. Mm-mm-mm. Turn with me to Acts 12, verse 5. Acts 12, verse 5. Acts 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Peter had been arrested and put in prison. Bound with two chains and guards in front of the door, were watching over the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell and he struck Peter's side and woke him up. <laughs> woke him up. Hey, he said, hey, get up quickly. Come on, we got things to do. And his chains fell off his hands 
And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and he continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people uh, were expecting. And when he had realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gate, the servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is an angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. And he said, and he said, report these things to James and the brethren. And then he left and went to another place. I love this, but this all happened because as we read, as Peter was in prison, prayer for Peter was being made fervently by the church. The church began to fervently pray for Peter, for God to rescue him, for God to to bring him out of this horrible situation and to, to bring him safely home. So what does God do? Through the fervent prayer of the church, he sends an angel to Peter and rescues him out of prison and brings him to a new place to where all of a sudden he can accomplish and finish the work that God had called him to. And I believe that as we as a church enter into a season of fervently pressing into the Lord, I, I can't remember when I, have, I haven't been so thirsty for the Lord. I believe God wants us to have people begin to even gather together, twos and threes in our church. You know, Betty, I think about these two women that were, one was 84 and 82 years old. One was blind, one was crippled. But they believed in the covenant of God. The God you said you would pour out your spirit on those that are thirsty. And if he can respond and flow through someone that is 84 and 82 years old, he can flow through anyone in this house. So in that, we are a people that are saying, God, unless you move in power, We're not going to go anywhere from this place of believing your word because you're a God that cannot fail. I can't tell you how many desperate situations are going on in the lives of this church. There are countless situations that are very desperate. 
and we need God. We need God to move in such a way that rescues people, saves people, heals people, restores people, delivers people, and and comes in such a way that shows his mighty love for his people. Because some of you have been ravaged and have been beaten up. The devil has lied to you. And it's time for him to stop. It's time for enough of this craziness that's going on and have God move in such a way that apprehends the enemy, your situation, and turns it all around for his glory, but for your good. So I'm telling you, we're in a place of desperation, and I'm thirsting for the living God. And I believe as we choose to come together in prayer, as we're praying throughout the week, some of you need to start gathering together, and let's begin to stand on the covenant of Isaiah 44, believing once again his word. And we're going to stand on it and declare it so that he will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring.